0: Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we're digging into growing a favorite fall decoration of so many people, mums, or more accurately, chrysanthemums. Now, you absolutely can grow these fall flowers in your garden year-round, but you need to know what you're planting. Is it possible to plant the mums that you get from your garden center and have them come back each year? No, the answer to that is it depends. It depends. Knowing the difference between a garden or hardy mum and a nursery or florist mum is going to make all the difference here. So we'll talk about propagating your own mums, whether it's from seed or from cuttings, when and where it's possible to plant potted nursery mums in the garden and have them be perennial, overwintering your mums, and we'll talk about what's different about Belgian mums. So this week's episode, Mums the Word. So the name chrysanthemum is both the common name and the genus name for a specific group of plants that are all erect, herbaceous perennials. Now, the family, the plant family, originally was called compositae, and it's still a valid name under the International Code of Nomenclature, but... The most common reference now is Asteraceae, and so that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, The Asteraceae family, which is the aster, daisy, or sunflower family, um, is the same family that contains, well, asters, daisies, or sunflowers, (laughs) but also includes marigolds and zinnias, and it also includes um, lettuce, chicory and endive, chamomile, tarragon, and some other plants that we find in our vegetable gardens. Now, there are about 40 species of mums, but there are thousands of different cultivars, which can lead to some confusion about which ones are hardy enough to overwinter in a cold climate garden and which ones are best used just for fall decoration and then tossed into the compost pile. We'll dig into that here really quickly. Um, The defining species of the genus is Chrysanthemum indicum, and that is where all the florist and nursery varieties start the most common hybrid to come from this is chrysanthemum morfolium or chrysanthemum grandiflorium. Now, these are both hybrids. And so when you look at that scientific name, it's going to be chrysanthemum with a small X, morifolium or grandiflorium. And that just basically means that the one of the parent plants was that chrysanthemum indicum. And then it was hybridized with another type of chrysanthemum to get those common florist mums. Now there are also still wild chrysanthemums in Japan and China. That's going to be Chrysanthemum morifolii, and those grow just on hillsides and they flower all through the winter time. Um, our cultivated varieties are generally characterized by really sort of aromatic deeply lobed leaves, and we obviously grow them for their very showy flowers. The cultivated ones do have tendency to have large, radiate flower heads versus the smaller flower heads that you would see in the wild species. Now, cultivated mums are categorized into one of 13 different classes. Those are determined by the National Chrysanthemum Society. Um, those classes are based on the different types of flower forms. So not only do you have a super wide range of color options with mums, but you also have 13 different flower types. Regardless of the type, mum flowers are actually a disc floret with ray florets coming from it. So picture a sunflower as a very large open example of this. The disc is the center part where we normally have the sunflower seeds, and the large petals are actually ray florets. Now, plant breeders have created specimens to have all these different rows of the ray florets in all of these different varieties of colors, and that's where you get these really, really pretty and really unique looking flowers. The wild version of these are just simply a basic yellow. So chrysanthemums did originate in China. They were a flowering herb and they've been annotated as far back as the 15th century BC. But by 1630 AD, there were over 500 cultivars had been recorded. And by 2014, there were 7,000 cultivars in China alone and over 20,000 recorded worldwide. So you might say it's a popular plant. Now the mum was introduced to the US during colonial times and it absolutely now reigns supreme as the quintessential fall flower decoration, um, right alongside asters, which are also, again, in the same family. Even though we use mums as everyday decor and as housewarming gifts or in floral arrangements, in many European countries, the mum is known as the death flower. Like uh, Belgium and Austria, the chrysanthemum is actually used almost exclusively as a memorial on graves. What about the ethnobotany, right? The ethnobotany is the study of a region's plants and their practical uses through the traditional knowledge of a local culture and its people. It does have cultural significance. Like I mentioned, uh, chrysanthemums were first cultivated in China as an herb. It was believed to have the power of life. Legend has it that the boiled roots were used as a headache remedy. Uh, the young sprouts and the petals were eaten in salads, and the leaves were brewed for a festive drink. It is actually very significant in Chinese festivals. Now, cultivation kind of left China and began in Japan during the early 8th century AD, and it very quickly gained popularity. Um, various cultivars of chrysanthemums were created in Japan, and they sort of characterized that really wide variety of the flower shapes. And then those were exported back to China, and that changed the way that the Chinese chrysanthemum cultivars were being grown and their popularity. Now, Japan took to the chrysanthemum so much that the imperial seal of Japan is a chrysanthemum, and the institution of their monarchy is called the chrysanthemum throne. Family seals for prominent Japanese families also contain some type of chrysanthemum, and there are a number a number of festivals and shows that take place throughout Japan in the fall when the flowers bloom. In fact, Chrysanthemum Day is one of the five ancient sacred festivals in Japan. So a very significant flower in both Chinese and Japanese cultures. Now there is one more thing of significance to note about mums. The secondary metabolites from plants in the chrysanthemum genus have been studied for all different sorts of uses, but one of significance to gardeners pertains specifically to chrysanthemum cinerarifolium, or pyrethrum. Now, if that name rings a bell, it's because you've likely seen it used as an insecticide. Extracts from pyrethrum plant flowers are known as pyrethrins. They are a neuropoison and it's used as a very effective naturally derived insecticide, which explains why chrysanthemums are often used in the garden as an insect repellent. And we'll touch on that later. So, are you someone who wants mums just as an annual for your fall decorations? If so, there is nothing wrong with picking your favorite color for that season, keeping them out in their containers until the frost has killed them, pitching them in the compost, and then starting over again next season. But I do have some tips, though, that will help you maintain your fall pretties as long as possible throughout their decorative life. First off, I like to choose moms that haven't fully bloomed yet. I know it's exciting to see a fully bloomed, perfectly dome-shaped cluster of flowers in all their glory, but... If you buy them fully bloomed, you're only likely going to get to enjoy those blooms for a few short weeks before they're totally spent and they begin to turn brown. And you'll need to cut those blooms off as they die to find the unopened blooms underneath and then wait for those to bloom. So instead, I choose a plant that has just a few blooms already opened just so I can see what the colors are like. This way, the blooms will open slowly over the first few weeks that I have the plant. They'll stay in full bloom for several more weeks before needing to be deadheaded. This gives me about six weeks of color before I have to really do anything with them. And in our area, well, that's about all the time you get away with, unless I'm bringing them indoors. Now, if you have a longer season, this means that after you've deadheaded, you'll likely get a second round of blooms to enjoy for a few more weeks. So always consider buying ones that aren't completely opened yet. The second thing to consider is actually repotting your mum when you get it home. I know the temptation is to just leave them in their container for their lifetime because it's easy. But most mums in containers are going to have very compacted root balls after sitting in their nursery pots. And they're likely to be root bound. So if you can gently break up the root ball a little bit. Give it some fresh potting soil in a slightly larger container than you brought it home in, then your mom is going to be much happier. And you can also just plop them into any bare spaces that you have in your late summer garden beds where the annuals may have expired already. They'll happily fill the space until after the first hard freeze. The third thing to remember is that mums love full sun at least six hours a day, which means they're going to be thirsty. So water them thoroughly right after potting them up or putting them in the ground Soak them again over the next couple of days until they've settled into their new pots or their new spot in the garden, and then be sure to keep them moderately moist for the continuum of the season. Don't let the soil completely dry out between waterings because mums just don't do well once they've been allowed to wilt. They can be revived, but the blooms are absolutely going to be negatively affected. So what if you want mums as a perennial in your garden? Can you plant the ones that you get from the nursery and expect them to come back? Mm, maybe. Can you start them from seed? Yes. Can you start them from cuttings? Yes. Do they take a lot of maintenance? Well, maybe. <laughs> There's a lot to dig into, so let's look a little bit more closely at growing perennial mums. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. You've heard me talk about First Saturday Lime, the environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides that we use on our farm. We use it everywhere, in the gardens, in the chicken coops, in the pig pastures, and around the outside of our home. First Saturday Lime created a non-caustic formula that is tough on bugs, but totally safe for humans and pets. And now, as a listener of the Just Grow Something podcast, First Saturday Lime can be your favorite natural pest control, too. You can save 20% off your first order by using the code Grow at checkout at FirstSaturdayLime.com. It's a super strong formula derived from eco-friendly products, and it's so effective, I have a 20-pound bag delivered every month to use on the first Saturday. Go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code Just Grow for 20% off your first order. So if you want to grow mums that come back every year, you'll need to know the difference between florist mums and hardy or garden mums. Now, florist mums are grown in greenhouses, and they're mainly used only as indoor plants or as outdoor annuals. They generally are not going to come back for you each year because florist mums don't produce underground runners um, or stolons, which mums need to survive cold weather. You can plant a potted florist mom into the garden, but don't expect it to survive the winter outside in most climates, no matter how much protection you give it. But there is one exception to this. Florist moms can be hardy in USDA hardiness zones seven through nine. You can transplant them outdoors any time of year, except for the hottest part of the summer, and they should come back for you. Just keep in mind that florist mums are often treated with growth-regulating hormones to keep them compact in their little containers, but they should resume their normal growth habit the following year. Now, because they don't have those runners or stolons, their roots will likely remain fairly shallow, so if it outgrows the spot that you started it in, they're actually really easy to transplant. Now, for those of us in zones four through nine, we need to look for hardy mums. If you're in zones colder than four, you'll likely need to bring the pots in to overwinter indoors, and we'll get to that shortly. So how do you know if you've got a hardy mum? Oftentimes, you don't. (laughs) Some telltale signs are to look on the tag. It may say hardy or garden mum on the tag. Now, this doesn't guarantee it will come back as a perennial, only that it's designed to be displayed outside. But your chances are better. And Keep in mind, sometimes garden mums are actually hardy mums that have been hybridized with florist mums to look good in the garden. So it may not necessarily be hardy in your zone, depending on how cold it is. But again, your chances are better than if you go with a florist mum. Also, look for the mums that are sold in the outdoor plant areas of your garden center, not inside the greenhouse or in the indoor plant section of your local mega mart. The ones being kept indoors were likely bred and raised indoors, and so those are more likely to be florist moms that will not come back. Then one final way to know if your mom is a hardy one is to look at the crown of the plant when it stops blooming. Has it formed a little rosette of leaves at the crown? This would indicate a plant that is storing up energy for the next season and is indeed a perennial. Now, you're not going to see this until toward the end of the season, but it's a good indicator nonetheless. So once you get your hands on hardy mums, now what? Unfortunately, the best time to plant these to be a perennial is in the spring. But good luck finding mums in the spring, right? So you've got two options. Buy them as early as possible in the fall so you can get them straight into the ground, or overwinter them indoors and plant them in the spring. In both of these cases, you're really hoping for the best because you'll likely have about a 50% chance of being successful. (laughs) Seriously, I've done it both ways and have had great success with some and no success with others. And I honestly cannot tell you what the difference was between the two. Now, if you decide to plant the mums in the fall, which is likely to be much more successful um, the warmer your climate is then make sure you're picking a plant that hasn't opened its blooms yet. There's still a chance if you put it in the ground, it may put some energy into growing its roots rather than all its focus on opening those blooms. Be sure you're planting in a full sun location. Amend the soil with some compost and make sure that it's well draining. And then just loosen up the root ball when you're putting the plant in the ground and plant it at the same level as it was growing inside the pot. And then make sure to water it really well. Now keep it well watered throughout the rest of the season, and then let it naturally die back as the temperatures get colder. At this point, do not prune the plant. Do not cut it back. Simply add about four to six inches of mulch around the base, pushing it in in between the branches at the crown of the plant, and then leave it alone. Those dead branches are providing protection, so leave them intact. Once things start to warm up and green up in the spring, pull back a little bit of the mulch from the crown of the mum and look for new growth. If your plant has successfully survived, you'll see green growth from the rosette of leaves at the crown. That's when you can cut back the old dead branches from the previous season and then hit it with a good balanced fertilizer. A 10-10-10 is perfectly fine. If nothing develops at the base of the plant, it didn't survive the winter and it's going to need to be pulled and replaced. So as the branches begin to grow, you'll need to shape your mum to keep it in that nice mounded habit it was in when you bought it. And you'll do this by pinching. So you want to start pinching as soon as you see the first good flush of flower buds. And now to pinch, all you do is just, you're removing the growth tip of a stem by just nipping it between your thumb and your forefinger. You can do this with shears or or with scissors, but honestly, just using your fingers mose, uh, goes much more quickly. Um, pinch about half of the tender new growth um, off of the top of the shoot. Pick some stems with some buds and some without. And then, because each pinched stem is going to divide into two new stems. And so you're going to end up with a bushy plant rather than a kind of tall, scraggly one. To help keep that shape, pinch the stems near the bottom of the plant, just a little bit shorter than the ones toward the top to get that sort of mounded look. And then you're going to want to repeat this process probably around every two to four weeks or so, or with every three to five inches of new growth until around early July. So then stop pinching and then you'll get good bud formation um, and blooms just in time for the fall. You also don't want to fertilize after this point either, because feeding the plant at this stage will get it to try to keep growing rather than reproducing, which is what flowering is. Now, if you can manage to get your hands on some Belgian hardy mums, you likely won't need to uh, t- to do all this pruning. Um Belgian mums are bred to naturally have that rounded shape, and they are an absolute explosion of blooms. And they'll often bloom earlier than others and longer if you continue to deadhead them and allow them um, to rebloom. Now they do come in early, mid-season, and late bloomers. So if you can, work directly with a local grower. Then you'll get more information about the varieties and you can choose the ones that you want or a mix of ones that bloom at different times. Uh, Belgian mums are also more sturdy. So if your area is prone to storms that cause the branches to break on other mum varieties, then try to track down some, some Belgians. So if your area is too cold or you got started too late and you want to try to overwinter your mums for spring planting, here's what you do. Find a cool, dark place to allow them to be protected, but where you'll also have access to give them water. A warmer garage or a basement is fine. Anywhere that's totally dark and stays around 32 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, if it's in a place where you're going to be coming and going and it'll end up getting light cover the plants with black garbage bags or something else that'll block the light out. Just like the outdoor version, leave the dead foliage on the plants until spring. Keep their roots damp while the plants are in their hibernation stage. Give them some water about once a month or so or just whenever when they seem to be drying out. In the spring, bring them out of their dark place and start to slowly acclimate them. Bring them into the light slowly, giving them a little bit more light every day. Get them used to slightly warmer temperatures than where you've had them. Once you've passed your last frost date and the weather has settled, plant them in the ground the same way I described for the fall planting. The dead foliage should still be on the plant at this point and it should not be removed until you see new growth popping up. Hit it with a balanced fertilizer at this point, encourage that root growth, and then start pruning like I mentioned earlier. These plants will have a much better chance of coming back year after year if you can overwinter them successfully. So how about growing mums from seed? You can absolutely do this just as you would any other garden flower or perennial plant. You'll want to start about six to eight weeks before your last expected frost in the spring, keep in mind some of the varieties and stuff that you're going to see that can be grown from seed are going to be more limited than the varieties that you're going to see in the garden center. Use a sterile seed starting mix. Make sure it's moist mum seeds are tiny. So to make sowing easier, try to pinch just a few seeds between your thumb and your forefinger, and then slowly roll them back and forth as you drop just a few uh, seeds on the soil at a time instead of a big old clump, so you don't have to do quite as much thinning later on. Um, Mum seeds need light to germinate, so just Barely cover them with soil or just sort of press them or pat them into the surface of the soil. And then use a spray bottle to spritz the top layer of the soil to keep it moist. Mums like a soil temperature of 70 degrees Fahrenheit to germinate, so a seedling heating mat will likely improve your germination rate. Um, if you use a heating mat, check the soil more frequently, though, to make sure that it's not drying out. This whole thing is going to be sort of similar to planting carrots outside. Mum seeds don't like being dried out at all before germination, and the germination should take about 10 days to two weeks or so. Once they sprout, make sure that you have adequate lighting as close to the tops of the plants as possible. Suspend your light directly above the plants around 12 inches away to keep them from getting leggy. You can try doing this in a very bright window, but you'll need to rotate your tray for sure. Thin the seedlings shortly after they have their first set of true leaves. Just snip the stem of the seedlings off that you aren't keeping. Don't try to pull them from the soil because you don't want to disturb the roots of the mum seedlings that you do want to keep. Transplant them into individual little containers when they're about four or five inches tall. And then you'll want to transplant them outside at least 18 to 24 inches apart, depending on your variety. Um, after all danger of frost has passed, but please make sure to harden them off before planting them. Don't just suddenly take them out of your propagation area and throw them into the ground because they will die. (laughs) Now, it is possible to sow chrysanthemum seeds directly into your beds outside um, that's really gonna be the same thing as carrots. Much warmer soil, so make sure that all danger of frost has passed. If you have a soil thermometer, um see if you can check the soil and make sure that it's about seventy degrees, and then make sure to keep the soil evenly moist, which is the trickiest part. Now, most commercial mums, are actually propagated from cuttings. Now, this is the best way to get mums from a plant that you know you like the look of and you want to grow in your garden. Quick note on patented varieties of plants. It is a violation of a plant patent if you propagate the plant in any asexual way. So this includes rooting cuttings from a patented plant, even if it's just for personal use. So check the label or the container that the plant is in. Um, Patented plants will have like a trademark or a patent number. It may even say something um, that says PPAF, which means plant patent applied for. It may also specifically state propagation strictly prohibited. Okay, so it's technically illegal. But there's no plant police that are going to show up on your doorstep for propagating your own plants for your own personal use in your own personal garden, especially if you no longer have a plant tag to tell you what the variety was. But propagating patented varieties for sale is illegal. So I just need to put that out there. So how do you propagate from cuttings? So you want to collect cutting material in the spring or in the early summer um, when the, the new shoots are several inches tall Cut off about the upper three to four inches of the shoot with a really sharp knife. Strip off the leaves on the lower portion of the cuttings and then dip the bottom of the cutting into a rooting hormone. Uh, It sounds scary. It really isn't. You can find this stuff on the shelf at just about any garden center. It's a powder. Um, Dip it in that powder and then stick the cuttings into a rooting medium like uh, coarse sand, perlite, peat moss anything that you can keep moist but not sopping wet. The cuttings should root in about two weeks or so, maybe as long as five weeks, depending on, on the, the variety and how thick the uh, the cutting medium is or the, the cutting itself is. Um, when they've got good root systems, then just pull them out of the rooting medium and then transplant them into pots or plant them directly into your garden. At some point, If you do have hardy mums out in the gardens, you're going to need to divide them, usually about every three to four years. This is also a great way to get new plants to put elsewhere in the garden or to give to friends. Um, Divide the mums in early spring just as the new growth begins to pop up. So dig up the entire plant divide each plant clump into sections with a really sharp knife. Each section should have several shoots and a portion of the root system, and then just immediately replant those those sections into the garden or pot them up to bring into the house or pot them up to give away to very grateful gardening friends. So what pests plague mums? Owing partly to the fact that there are some compounds within the plant that act as a natural pest repellent, mums are relatively pest-free. But this is similar in nature to marigolds, where it's the concentration of the compounds that are most effective when they're not actually being extracted. So it does have some pests. Um, Pests of mums include aphids, mites, various caterpillars, leaf miners, and thrips. Basically the same thing that plagues every other member of this plant family. The majority of the time, they're not going to overwhelm the plant, but if it gets out of hand, you can use any of the various ways I've talked about in numerous episodes to take care of those little buggers. The good news is that deer generally stay away from mums, so that's one garden pest that uh, you won't have to worry about. And then as far as diseases go, the most common disease problems are pythium root and stem rot, um, fusarium wilt, bacterial leaf spot but blight and powdery mildew. Now it all sounds very scary, but with the exception of the powdery mildew, most of the diseases that are common in mums are most common in large commercial nurseries. And that's usually due to airflow restrictions. So these can mainly be prevented by making sure that the pot or the soil is well draining and by making sure you've got proper spacing to allow good air movement. And also, try not to water late in the day. That, that makes those moist conditions stick around and makes it much uh, easier for those diseases to spread. The powdery mildew, of course, is more likely, as usual, in human environments. So any trick that changes the pH of the leaf surface should help keep powdery mildew in check as well. So that's it for mums. I hope this gives you some insight into why maybe you've tried in previous years to grow mums in the garden only to be disappointed time and time again. And now maybe you'll be able to track down the right variety and the right time to keep mums in your garden for more than just the fall decorative season. And if not, well, just let them die in their pot, spray paint them silver, hang some ornaments on them, and put them out as holiday decorations. (laughs) At least you'll get two seasons out of them. If you've got any questions about this or any episode, jump into the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. That link will be in the show notes. I will be here uh, again on Friday. So in the meantime, have a great week in the garden, and we'll talk again soon. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened. Rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and I will talk to you again soon.